The first round of the NBA playoffs are over. The Orlando Magic have already said that that's where they want to be next year. So it's time to get some playoff lessons. What we learned from the first round of the NBA playoffs and how it applies to Orlando Magic coming up on today's Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are indeed locked on magic. Today is May 1st, 2023. My name is Philip Ross. I'm the expert insight editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked on Magic, the first round of the NBA playoffs is officially over. We're going to go over some of the things we've learned from the postseason so far. Playoff lessons delivered right to you coming up here in just a moment. But first, we want to thank you again for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's right when we upload, we truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Locked On podcast covering every single team in the NBA. Search for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100. With promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com. Promo code locked on. Jeff Fultman said it earlier this offseason, and I'm forgetting where. It might have been during exit interviews. It might have been on uh, on open mic with Mike Bianchi on 96.9 The Game. Um, but it's a phrase that, that, that really stuck to me and something that, that I certainly believe in and something that I've been thinking about over the last couple of years. And that is success leaves clues. You can tell the direction the league is going in by what works and what doesn't work, what teams succeed in the regular season, what teams fail in the the playoffs, based off what happens in these playoff games. And so now that the first round is officially done, and and now we're to the real meat of the postseason, the teams that are really there to to contend for a championship, the teams that really do believe they can win championships right now— the Orlando, Ma- you know, we as Orlando Magic fans, as Orlando Magic observers, have to start thinking about, have to start thinking about what works and what about our team is going to fit what we're seeing play out in the playoffs. And so I, I'm a big believer in, in in learning these playoff lessons, whether they're lessons in team building, uh, whether they're whatever the lessons might be. And I, and I want to start, I think, with something that's really key on the court. And something that we really saw, I think, with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Because what happened to Cleveland over the course of their five-game series with the Knicks is very emblematic of something that could happen with the Magic when they get into these postseason situations, when they get into the playoffs. What Cleveland is a big team. They're a tall team, at, at the very least. Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, they locked up the defensive glass all season long. I believe they were tops in the league in defensive rebound rate. One of the best rebounding teams in the entire league. That is something that is very central to who they are. 
They lock down the paint. They have two big. They have two like very versatile big men who can who can pr- protect the rim. They were a, a, a difficult team to handle defensively. They limited you to one shot. These are all keys to success in winning playoff games. Plain and simple. They did in the regular season and getting the fourth seed, they did in the regular season what teams are supposed to do to win. The very basics of what teams are supposed to do. And yet, in their playoff series with the Knicks, the Knicks absolutely outworked them. The Knicks absolutely crushed them. At every turn, the New York Knicks just thoroughly dominated them. Mitchell Robinson completely dominated that series and made the Cavs look small. They won the battle on the glass. And you can go through so many of these different uh, series. The Lakers against the Grizzlies is a good one with the Grizzlies struggling with their size. Um, Certainly, you know, the way Miami outworked Milwaukee in their series. Yes, there's an effort component, and yes, there's there's an ability to get to 50-50 balls, but no team, I felt, underperformed their identity in the regular season. And Sacramento had a little bit of this issue, too, with some of their size issues. But no team underperformed to their identity in the regular season. And the very basic things that you have to do to win basketball games than the Cleveland Cavaliers. And look, Cleveland, I don't think, has to blow anything up. I don't think they're a team that's ripe for change. I think a lot of it was that is a hard lesson that Evan Mobley had to learn in his first playoff series where he just got absolutely outworked. Where, you know, maybe Jared Allen, you know, Jared Allen, it just didn't work. You know, offensively, it didn't work. Defensively, it didn't work. It just didn't work. And Cleveland's got to ask themselves whether that's a problem with them that, that they can fix internally or something they can fix externally. But it, it, the reason why I, 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 I've really glommed onto this is because Orlando has already shown some of the same problems. By the numbers, Orlando was a top, I think, top 10 team in the league in defensive rebound rate. They really did a good job getting defensive rebounds. Yet, they still give up plenty of second chance points. Yet, they still give up offensive rebounds at key moments. And we can look at a whole bunch of different players on the roster and say, that's not a great rebounder. Paolo Bancaro, I think, did a great job rebounding. I thought he did better than we thought he would. But his rebounding went up and down. And sometimes, and you could tell when he was engaged with his effort, that his rebounding would come to the front. Franz Wagner is not a good rebounder at all. It's one of the biggest weaknesses in his otherwise sterling game. Wendell Carter, by the numbers, is a great rebounder. But he gets pulled away from the basket a lot. He misses rebounds. And in fact, honestly, and it's not that Wendell Carter is a bad rebounder again, Cole Anthony might be the best rebounder on the team. And that's not good that a guard is one of your best out-of-area rebounders on the team. A guy who will just go up and get the ball. To me... This is a weakness that doesn't get exposed in the regular season as much. We know it's there. I mean, we kind of hint that it's there. It's not something that gets exposed in the regular season much. But when I look ahead to the playoffs, when I think about what this Magic team is going to be like in the postseason, 
This is one of my biggest concerns. This is one of the things that I worry about the most. Even more than the offense and the shooting. Like the Knicks and Cavs played a series that was in the low hundreds, upper 90s for a good chunk of that that series. That part doesn't concern me. Uh, The Magic will find offense when the game slows down. It's limiting the other team to one basket. It's getting out in transition. It's it's controlling that part of the game. That worries me because Cleveland was, by all intents and purposes in the in the play in the regular season, one of the best teams at doing that. And yet Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson, and to some extent Obi Toppin and Isaiah Hartenstein. And really that whole team, they, they just outworked them in the paint. And of course, that, that gets to a big playoff lesson that, that, that the stats in the regular season don't matter when you're dealing with such an individual matchup that, as a playoff series. Playoff series are about matchups and that individual chess match and that individual will to beat the team in front of you when you know everything that they're doing. It's different than the regular season. That's why I'm a big proponent of recognizing regular season excellence. And I think there should be a regular season champion because the regular season is a different challenge. It is not... Honestly, I don't even necessarily think it is a lesser challenge. I think the Milwaukee Bucks should be very proud of their season. It sucks that they're not advancing and they should be disappointed in that and in their effort and how they played in that series. But they have nothing to be ashamed about uh, of their last seven last six months two weeks to me shouldn't erase six months of really good work that's my opinion but the fact of the matter is the playoffs matter we play all year to get to the playoffs we want success in the playoffs and what it takes to be successful in the playoffs is very different than the regular season and so as the magic begin to think about what their team needs and then we talked a little bit about the team needs and, and, and the future here a little bit We'll get into more of that uh, in, in future episodes, obviously, as we as we dive deeper into the offseason. One of those needs, I think, is a little bit of a tough streak. It's why I think that Mo Wagner isn't built for the postseason, but Goga Batadze might be. And why I think that maybe the Magic should sign Goga Batadze and let Mo Wagner walk in free agency. And I'm not against re-signing either. I don't think they should re-sign both. But... That, as your third center, Batadze, you could do a lot worse than Batadze. At the end of the day, why the New York Knicks beat the Cleveland Cavaliers? It's because they played that grimy basketball. They dug out those loose balls. They dug out those rebounds. They dominated the glass. They dominated the paint. And to me, when I watched that game, or watched that series, I kept saying to myself, Cleveland is tall but they're not playing big. I see that same problem with the Magic, where they are tall, they are long, they have length, they're, they're, they're big dudes, but they don't always play big. They don't have a classic rim protector like a Mitchell Robinson is for the Knicks. They don't have a dominant rebounder like Mitchell Robinson was in that series. Mitchell Robinson was the MVP of that series. Let's, let's, let's be very clear. Uh, it, it, him or, him or Jalen Brunson, take your pick. It takes everyone working together to lock down the glass. And it doesn't matter what you did in the regular season. you got to play big. 
Don't have to be tall, but you got to play big to be successful in the postseason. We'll talk a little bit about some other lessons from the playoff run, including why individual brilliance means the world. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first, it's time for a quick word from our friends at Prize Picks. Every day of the NBA playoffs and finals, one Prize Picks user is going to win a chance to become a millionaire. That's me putting my pinky to my mouth like Austin Powers. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern Time will be randomly selected each day. Whoever placed that entry will be given a six-pick flex with the following payouts. Get four correct picks, you get $16,000. Five correct picks, $80,000. Six correct picks, $1 million. I can tell you, it sounds pretty easy, but it gets tricky. I did a prize picks on Sunday with the NBA action. Got the free square with Stephen Curry. Got uh, got a second one. Uh, I believe it was... Uh, I forget who, who it was. I got a second one uh, with, uh, with Jalen Brunson hitting 25 points. Those other three that I needed to win my, my quick pick, I did a five. All of them missed by like one point. It, uh, it's incredible how good their projections are uh, and how much you're sweating bullets watching these games. Prize picks is the daily fantasy game for you. You're not playing up against these massive player pools. There's no confusing scoring system. It's simple and it's just you versus the numbers. All you have to do is pick two to six players and if they go on to score more or less in their prize picks projections, you can win a million dollars if your pick gets if your entry gets picked, but up to twenty five times your money on any entry if it doesn't. It's really easy. It's really I mean it's it's really really simple and it's really really fun. Prize picks offers projections on any sport you watch, including NBA, MLB, NHL, college sports, WNBA, and a whole lot more. Entries can be made in sixty seconds or less. It's really that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals. They're currently operational in more than thirty states, including here in Florida as well as Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit matchup up to $100 with promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100. obviously coming from Sunday is Stephen Curry setting the NBA record with 50 points in with 50 points in a game seven the first player in NBA history to drop a 50 burger in a game seven in a do or die game seven and you know that game Sacramento brought the energy the crowd was there you could tell their inexperience started to show, but but more than anything else, this game was about Stephen Curry's brilliance and, and Golden State's inability to knock him off rhythm, or Sacramento's inability to knock him off rhythm, and, and frankly, De'Aaron Fox's inability to kind of keep pace. I mean, who can keep pace with a player like that? And you see this throughout the playoffs, where even against set defenses, the best players step their game up a little bit. Uh, and sometimes a lot of it. Um, it's Nikola Jokic dropping triple doubles uh, everywhere you go. It's Steph Curry scoring 50. It's Darren Fox in the series that he had up until Game 7. It's 
you know, the way that Trey Young kept the Hawks alive against the Celtics for as long as he did. It's Joel Embiid with the passing numbers that he put up, in addition to the scoring that he put up in the sweep over Brooklyn. It's Jalen Brunson stepping up. It's Jimmy Butler doing the Jimmy Butler things that he did to deliver that upset win for the Miami Heat. At the end of the day, we could talk about the others. We could talk about the, the little things you need to do on the margins. But with defenses so loaded up against your tendencies, the playoffs do often come down to whether your star player can still be that constant drumbeat. And when everyone else is stuck, can they deliver something more? That is one of the quintessential questions of the playoffs. And you know, even going back to the Dwight Howard days, Dwight Howard always stepped his game up. He became a 2020 machine, it felt like, in, in the Magic's paydays in the playoffs. Shaq always added more. You hear them talk about that on Inside the NBA all the time. And it's why you become so obsessed with finding your star. Because in, in, in the NBA, it is a team sport. You do not get anywhere without your teammates. But in the NBA, one player can truly affect everything else on your team. One player can help your team get over the hump and do something really, really, really special. That is an element that the, ma- that, that the Magic, frankly, are still figuring out. That is an element the Magic are still piecing together and putting together. An element of, you know, who's the guy that's going to carry you down the stretch? And we want that to be Paolo Bencaro, obviously. He had 40, 20-point games in his rookie year matching LeBron James. He had, what, eight? Yeah, I forget the exact number. He had more 30-point games than the rest of his rookie, rest of the rookie class combined. He is a scorer, and, and the type of scorer and the kind of scorer the Magic have not had in a very long time. You know, we're talking T-Mac era. You know, I'll, I'll grant you Steve Francis with the, my 20-point-per-game nugget that I can no longer say because it's no longer true. Um, but, you know... The Magic haven't had a go-to dom- or a potential go-to dominant score in the vein of Paolo Bancaro. That is exciting, and, and that's why the Magic's future seems so bright. And obviously, some of that is luck. They got the number one pick. They got the opportunity to draft them. But so much of what the Magic are banking on and betting on in their future is Paolo Bancaro being that guy who's able to raise his game. And if there's if there's one thing, if there's one thing that I am slightly disappointed with in his rookie year is that we did not see the 40-point game. We didn't see the F it, I'm just going to go out there and score game from him. And, and, you know, maybe that's asking too much from a rookie. We certainly believe and certainly saw plenty to believe that he can do that and that he can have that ability to, to play at that kind of a level. But that was kind of the big thing that was missing. And that, that's still the great unknown for when Paolo Bancaro plays in his first playoff. Is he going to be able to step his game up? You know, we expect him next year to up his scoring average to 24, maybe even 25 points per game. When he gets to the playoffs, is he going to be at 26, 27, 28? Or I'm kind of expecting his first playoff experience to be very, very rough. Is he going to struggle a little bit? And how does he grow and develop from there? These are the big questions. These are the, the this is the big thing because 
you go through the playoffs. You know, Anthony Edwards saved the day. Devin Booker had a 50-piece in, in the elimination game over the Clippers. Steph's 50-piece against the, the Kings. Um, Jimmy Butler just making plays over and over and over again in clutch situations to lead the Heat to a victory. Uh, Jalen Brunson shutting de- shutting down and shutting up the Cavs. We certainly saw that uh, when he did that to Orlando earlier this year. Um, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown being able to, to to be matching scores at times. LeBron James closing out that game, that overtime game against the Grizzlies, and, and, and a game that essentially decided that series. All of these players step up in the biggest moments. At the end of the day, the NBA becomes about individual brilliance. You can say coaching and, and all that stuff, and I'm not saying all that stuff is important. Individual brilliance on its own is not enough because if it were, Tracy McGrady would have a couple couple championships. He certainly would have gotten out of the first, he would have gotten out of the first round a few times. Individual brilliance can get you pretty far. But you need it. You 100% need it in order to be successful in this league. And again, these aren't hard lessons. These are more lessons about team build. At this point for the Magic, it's about team building and figuring out like what are these teams doing right that we're doing wrong, that we haven't done yet, or, or we need to make sure that we're doing along the way. Developing Paolo Bancaro is a pretty easy one to figure out. You know, we know he's a rookie of the year. We know what he is capable of doing. But it's true. It's simple, but it's true. That the Magic are going to go as far as Paolo Bancaro will take them at this point. We'll do our daily lottery spin. Get yourself, get you ready for the rest of the week. We'll do that coming up here in just a moment. We got a fun project coming up on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to announce this project, uh, and so I, I want to make sure that I get it the publicity here. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at OmagicDaily on Monday, and really throughout the week, I am planning on doing a, a community mock draft. Essentially, what, what I'm going to look to do uh, is to do is is to really kind of give you guys a vote, uh, and is essentially create almost create a magic big board. I, I'm going to call it a mock draft, but I'm going to call it a magic big board as well. Um, I, I'm going to kind of posit if the Orlando Magic land with the first pick, who are you taking? And I'll give you four options on Twitter. You vote in the poll. I'll log the results. Give me answers. Give me reasons for why you, you voted for the guy, voted for the player. Sometimes it'll be obvious. I'll take, one, I'll, I'll take answers that I like. Um, so reply, reply to the tweet with that. Uh, and then I'm going to put it together in an article and, and come up with sort of a community mock draft of essentially who the Magic would take at each position. I, I'm going to care less about who's actually going to go in that position. I published my first mock draft late last week uh, on Friday, I believe, um, with kind of my first run through of who I think is going to go where. Uh, I'll go into that in some detail here, I think, um, although not with this mock draft, partic- not with our daily spin today because it's a different spin. Um, and you'll see why in a second. Uh, but I, I want to get a sense of who Magic fans like at each spot. 
Uh, and again, I'll give you four options. Uh, you're not going to have kind of the open world um, just to kind of keep things simple. Uh, it'll be mock draft style. So once a player's off the board, you know, I'm going to take him out. I'm going to take him out of the suggestion list and I'll, and I'll make, I'll make those suggestions and we'll do it essentially for every pick that the magic could get. So I'll ask who would the magic take if they had the first pick. And then a few hours later, I'll ask who would the magic take if they had the second pick and so on and so on and, and, and so on. So this is essentially an opportunity to, uh, get a look at who you guys think the Magic should take as we get closer and closer to the NBA draft lottery, only a couple weeks away. Uh, we'll do, I'll put those results together and share them, and we'll chat maybe a little bit about them here on the show as well. So I'm very, very excited about this project. Idea popped in my head, uh, and I'm going to go for it. So uh, join the community mock draft. I'm probably going to post the first, the first, uh, the first um, poll around noon on Monday. That's that's going to be my plan is to start at noon on Monday. Probably make it last until around. Five-ish It'd be short, short polls here. Um, maybe not. Maybe I'll go the full twenty-four hours, but then post kind of overlapping polls uh, when, if, if it seems obvious who's going to win. Um, you know, because I want to get through this kind of quickly. I want to get through this by the end of the week. Um, so you know, we'll, there'll be a little bit of a time limit. Some of these will be kind of flash polls, but um, definitely, definitely uh, keep an eye out. Follow me on Twitter at omagicdaily to get involved in the community mock draft. Let's get into our daily spin though, uh, as we start focusing a little bit more on the NBA draft lottery. We are on day 20 of our daily spin here at Omagic Daily. I've been sharing a few of these on Locked on Magic as well. And today we get our fourth win in 20 days. Um, so the Magic are winning the lottery a lot. Orlando with the first pick, Charlotte second, Houston third, Detroit four, Orlando sitting at 11 with Chicago's pick as well. Um, again, obviously you're taking Victor Wembenyama. Uh, that is not up for debate. I saw someone say I would take. I would actually take Scoot over Wembenyama. You are crazy. Um, there are people do have some concerns over his injury history and his ability to hold up to the NBA. But the dude is just the dude is in the middle of a forty game season. He's played all forty games for Mets in France. He's had very few injury issues. Um, you know, again, that's a pro league. That is in college. Um, he is. I'm not as concerned. His body looks, you know, he is not Chet Holmgren. You watch, you look at, you compare those two body types uh, and body sizes. You know, they are both large and oddly proportioned human beings, but Victor Wembenyama looks more normal and looks looks more built up. I'm not concerned about Wembenyama's long term. Um, then again, you know, people probably said that about Christoph Porzingis, and Porzingis has had issues. So, it, it, you know, it's not that it's not there, but. The talent is just so much. You you gotta go for it. You you know it's it, you figure out the fit. You figure out what matter what what fits later. Um, but you go for it with with Wenbinyama. The eleventh pick to me. Um, so I did my first mock draft run through, and you know again some of it is who's available. Uh, and what I do with the first pick. Um, I did a mock draft. I took Grady Dick with the seventh pick. I took Bryce Sensabaugh with the eleventh pick, and and uh, and some of that is essentially that you know a. I, I, I'm going to be clear on this. I don't know if this is the Magic's goal. My goal is on draft night, I need to get a shooter. So if I have Victor Wembenyama with the first pick, I am getting a pure shooter with that 11th pick. Uh, I am not messing around. I'm getting someone that I am confident is going to be a shooter. Now, Grady Dick's going to be gone by 11. Um, so you're looking at Keontae George. You're looking at Jordan Hawkins. I'm a big Jordan Hawkins guy. I want a veteran presence. I want someone who's been around the block, who's just who's going to give me something that I can count on. He's going to get better but give me something I can count on pretty immediately and contribute pretty immediately because the Magic are looking to win immediately. Um, so I'm definitely thinking Jordan Hawkins at 11. 
Um, obviously, if Taylor Hendricks slips, I think about it a little. I, I don't think I want Taylor Hendricks as much if I'm going Victor Wembenyama with the first pick. Um, that's just me. But uh, definitely something to think about there as well. Um, you know, it's 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 tough. There are a lot of scenarios to go through. I mean, again, that's kind of what I want to go through with this community mock draft is help have you go through some of these scenarios and, and have you think about okay this player's off the board what do I do and and I think that the I think the magic have options obviously um but what they do is going to be dependent on a lot of different factors and a lot of different things that happen over the course of of this of the draft and and, and of everything that goes on so definitely going to be very very interesting I just wanted to posit that get that get that kind of out into the open a little bit um, and think about that. Um, you know, Bryce Sensbaugh, I haven't talked a lot about him. Um, Lake Highland Prep alum, go Highlanders. That's my alma mater um, uh, from Orlando here. Uh, he he had a great scoring season at Ohio State, really good scoring off the dribble, really good body. I, I really like, uh, I watched some, some tape on him. I really like how he uses his body, how he's able to get to the basket, uh, you know, able to score decently, score off the dribble, step backs, all those shots. Um, decent percentages, you know, he's a high volume scorer. The, the big issue with him is, you know, can he do it against NBA guys? Does he have the quickness? He's, he's a bigger dude. Um, he knows how to use that physicality at the college level, but that's not going to be an advantage for him necessarily at the pro level. Um, and then can he stay engaged defensively is a big, big question mark with him. Uh, and, and something that I do think has to matter a little bit. He is not a knockdown dead eye shooter, although he is a capable shooter. Not kind of a spot-up guy like some other guys. So, you know, I think, you know, I took Grady Dick with the first pick, so I felt a little more comfortable taking a bigger swing on a higher upside guy, on a higher upside score off the bench and sense the ball with the second pick. If I don't get Dick with that first pick, I'm probably taking Hawkins. You know, if I go Hendricks, you know, a lot of people when I saw my mock draft were like, oh, I do Hendricks, I'd, I'd take care of that need, go high upside with Hendricks uh, with that first pick and then go shooter with that second pick because there's a few more shooters available in that in that range uh, down at the bottom or theoretically available. Again, I have, I'm have i pretty high on Hawkins. I think that he he checks off a lot of boxes for a lot of teams. I think that he's going to rise a little bit in the draft process as well. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Lockdown Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. Subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, your tune in. Himway, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all of my still podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. For lace on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow us there on Twitter at O Magic Daily. Definitely take take advantage and participate in our community mock draft. I will link over to it from Philip R underscore OMD, but definitely check it out at O Magic Daily. On tomorrow's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to start doing some more serious player evaluations. We've done plenty on Paolo Bancaro, so I feel comfortable leaving him out. Leaving him out. We talked a lot about his season last week. A lot of rookie of the year stuff last week. This week, we're going to really dive into player evaluations, look at individual players and how they perform this season. We'll start tomorrow with Franz Wagner. We'll get to that coming up on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic.